The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord Christ. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became radiant, intensely white. And no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses. And they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents. One for you, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And the cloud overshadowed them. And a voice came out of the cloud, This is my beloved Son. Listen to Him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, he charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise. Heavenly Father, we ask for your presence to be in abundance. You inhabit the praise and worship of your people. Your Holy Spirit abides within each one of us, transforming us day by day more and more into the image of your Son. Awaken us this day, Father to yield more to you, that we may show your grace and your love to all those you place in our lives. And it's in the strong name of Jesus we pray. Amen. You may be seated. For those who do not know me, I'm Jeff Smead. My wife is with me today, Lee. We live in Chardon, Ohio. I'm canon to the ordinary for administration for the diocese, so I travel substantially. Uh, two weeks ago, we were in Lexington, Kentucky. It happens that the last time I was here, so this will be the third time this year, the last 12 months, that I will be preaching on the Transfiguration. And the, the piece that I tried to share the last time I was here concerning the Transfiguration, though we talked in depth about the various parts of the Scripture, was that 
the Lord gives us transfigured moments in our lives if our eyes are open. And as you may know by now, I always start with a story. Twins, a sister and a brother, were talking to each other in the womb. Charlotte was there just a few days ago. The little sister said to her little brother, I believe that there is life beyond this. Her brother protested, no, no, this is all there is. This is a warm and cozy place. And we, all we have to do is to cling to the cord that feeds us. Yet the little girl insisted, there must be something more. There must be something more than this dark place there must be something else where there's light, freedom to move. Still, she could not convince her twin brother. Then after some silence, she said hesitantly, I have something else to say, and I'm afraid you won't believe that either, but I think there's a mother I, I have heard things outside of here. Her brother became furious. A mother? A mother? What are you talking about? I've never seen a mother, and neither of you. Who put that idea in your head? Listen to me. This place is all we have, so just be content. The little sister finally said, don't you feel pressure sometimes? It's really unpleasant, and sometimes it's even painful, this pressure. Yes, he answered. What's special about that? Well, the sister said, I think this pressure is there to get us ready for another place a place much more beautiful than this place where we will see our mother face to face. The story, in a way, in a way, reminds us about this life, this life that we've been granted to us, a life on this side of eternity, that is only temporary. A life that at times has pressure, sometimes heavy pressure on us, reminding us of where our true home lies. We're only passing through. Our eternal home is in the heavenlies, where, beloved, we shall see our Lord face to face. In our gospel text, Peter, James, and John climbed the mountain, and there it was revealed that there was far more to Jesus than the physical. 
And during the revelation, the transfiguration, they received a glimpse of his glory. Beloved, much like his disciples, we too receive a foretaste. A foretaste of who Jesus has been for all eternity. We are afforded a glimpse, a glimpse of his glory. Let me pause to say that I thank God that there is a better place, a glorious place, waiting for those who call Jesus their Savior and their Lord. Yet we, as followers of the Christ, have the privilege to experience him, to experience the spiritual realm on this side of, the ter- of, the, of eternity. The title of my message is A Glimpse of his glory. I want to share with you the blessings that can be found in the account of our Lord's transfiguration. There are three points to the message. There's a place, there's a place, there's a people, and there's a preview. Please allow the Lord to speak to your heart as together we seek to catch a glimpse of his glory. So first, there's a place. The passage opens up with a mountain. We're not told exactly what mountain, yet most theologians and scholars are convinced it's Mount Hermon. This mountain rises 9,200 feet above sea level. And Lee, my wife Lee and I had the privilege to stand at the foot of Mount Hermon this past September, three weeks before the attack on the Israelis. We also were in the vicinity where the attacks occurred. Beloved, at the base of Mount Hermon, is an eighth to a quarter of a mile of old ruins. Places where the people worship false gods. One after another, after another, after another. This is the place where Jesus pointed either to himself or to that mountain and said, Upon this rock I shall build my church. Yet even in the hottest months, the top of Mount Hermon is often wrapped with snow. And as we know, mountains occupy a special place in Scripture. It was on a mountain called Moriah that God manifested his grace to Abraham when he was willing to offer his son Isaac. It was on Mount Sinai where God handed down his law. Moses was on Mount Calvary where Jesus died on the cross for our sins. was on the Mount of Olives. He ascended back to heaven to glory. And it will be on that same mountain 
that will greet his feet when he returns in glory. I thank God that he has also set aside a few mountaintop experiences along the way for each of us to experience if our eyes are open, our ears are open. We have our valleys, our hardships, our sufferings where we grow. Yet I appreciate the special times where we experience the presence of God. We see a glimpse of his glory, the mountaintops. We need at times to experience his glory, to know that his power is alive. And these mountaintop experiences can happen when we least expect it. Back when I was a young banker, I remember receiving a call one Monday night from a young mother who attended another church in town. She shared that while she was praying, the Lord said she should call me and ask me to pray for her son, her young child. I wonder why she felt the Lord had her call me. I had continued to go to church, but I was definitely less active than I have been in years. And the only quality of time that I gave the Lord was on Sunday morning. So I told her, go Wednesday to prayer and praise, and they will pray for your son. And after the call, I was convicted by the Holy Spirit to get my life right with God. I couldn't make it to prayer and praise service that Wednesday, but attended the following week. And after the service, those who wanted prayer would go into the sanctuary. I headed to the sanctuary when I saw the young mother with her boy. I asked, how did it go last Wednesday? She said, well, I couldn't make it last Wednesday. And anyway, the Lord said, you're the one that's supposed to pray for my son. She waited until the end of the prayer time and asked the priest if Jeff could pray for her son. As I was about to lay hands on him for healing, I kept asking myself, why me? Why me, Lord? Why am I supposed to pray for her son? She took off his corrected shoes. He had club feet since birth. I laid one hand on his head and covered his feet with my other hand. And we all washed in astonishment as his feet began to straighten out. And he shot up and ran down the aisle for the first time since his birth without shoes. Beloved, that night we witnessed a glimpse of his glory as much as those did on Mount Hermon. We had a mountaintop experience. 
It was a picture of a young boy with club feet. It became a transfigured moment. A transfigured moment that allowed us a glimpse of his glory. And I thank God for the times he leads us to the high mountains. And these men who were with Jesus on the high mountain never forgot what they experienced there. The mountains of life will help us to travel through the valleys of life. There's a place. Secondly, there's a people. We're told that Jesus selected Peter, James, and John for this special journey to the mountaintop. Jesus had 12 that he called apostles, or also called disciples. So why these three? The answer to this question is not an easy one. Yet it is clear these three men became the preeminent in the early church. Perhaps they were allowed to witness the events of this day in preparation for what the Lord had in store for each of them. This isn't the first time he singled these men out for a special ministry, nor would it be their last. The first time Jesus singled these three out was when Jesus raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. Jesus would take these men a little deeper. He takes them to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he went to the cross. These men were privileged to see things the others would not witness. I have found that the scriptures are so true. Quite honestly, we're as close to God as we desire to be. Hear me on this. We're as close to God as we desire to be. Remember God's promise to us in scriptures. Hear God's word in James. Come near to God and he will come near to you. The Greek word is so clear. He has to. He has to. You draw near to him. He has to draw near to you. You're as close to God as you want to be we can experience as much of his glory and as much of his power as we desire to experience. Have you ever wondered why some people seem so full of the love of the Lord? Do you ever wonder why some people are always ready to worship him, praise him, to do his will, waiting patiently for the next thing to do? Do you ever wonder what the secret is? Well, the secret is no secret at all. 
they have committed to abide to him, to live close to him. Or as the scriptures say, to abide to the vine and allow his DNA to flow through our very beings. And if we do, his promise is he will live close to you. He will draw close to you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. And the outcome of that commitment, drawing near to him, will give, allow you the sweet presence of Jesus in your life. So there's a place in this case, it was a mountain. A person, those that he's drawn. And lastly, there's a preview. The climb up Mount Hermon would have taken the better part of a day. And Luke, in his account of this event, tells us that when Jesus got there, he began to pray. When he arrived on the mountain, the first thing he did was pray. And apparently the time of prayer in Luke's telling must have lasted for a while because the other three, what, fell asleep. Did it at the Garden of Gethsemane, too. So daylight at this point had probably vanished. Night had fallen. And the peaceful mountain is covered in a canopy of stars. Suddenly, Jesus changes. His clothing changes. His face changes. His garments change. He's transfigured. The Greek word tra translated transfigured is a very interesting word. The Greek word is metamorpho. And it means to transfer, to change. And Matthew, in his telling, uses the passive of the verb metamorpho, indicating that God himself is behind the transformation. Oh, praise God. So what does that mean? It means to change the outside to match the inside. They saw Jesus as he's been since eternity. And Paul uses this same verb to describe the spiritual transformation that believers receive in regeneration. We are a what? New creation in Christ Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is continually transforming us into the image of his son. In the case of the transfiguration of Jesus, it means to match the outside with the eternal reality of the inside. Jesus' divine nature had been veiled. Veiled in his human form. And the transfiguration was a glimpse of his glory, his eternal glory. The 
glory that has been since the beginning of eternity. And that same glimpse can be revealed in all believers. The Holy Spirit, what, abides within each of us. I still can't comprehend that fully. God within us. Scriptures are clear. We are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Called to abide to the vine. And if we abide to the vine, his DNA flows through us and out of us. And if we abide, we will overflow with the spiritual gifts. We will overflow with God's love. And his love flowing through us gives us desire to shower unexpected grace to shower love on others. Love gives us the desire to allow the grace and love of God to flow from us. And gives us the capacity to see others through God's eyes. Beloved, grace wins every time. Grace wins every time. So how can I allow his grace, God's grace, to permeate my very being? How do I allow God's love to constantly flow through me? For those that are a part of the St. Anselm family and would like to travel down the road of grace together, we are initiating an eight-week session of sharing God's grace using grace notes. You may ask, what are grace notes? Well, thank you for asking. Grace notes opens windows in our daily life to see others as our Lord sees them which in turn will afford us opportunities to share his love and grace with others. And yes, during this time, you will most likely see a glimpse of his glory. If you do this, it will transform you dramatically. We put together 28 boxes, which contain eight Hallmark cards, eight envelopes, eight stamps, with directions on the inside of the lid. You don't even have to remember anything today. Each week, you are personally write a note to at least one person. God has placed in your life. A, plate, a note to someone that you may not already have a strong relationship with. There's only room on these notes for about three or four sentences. You may be thinking, who can I send a note to? 
after all these years, all my friends are Christians. And there's some truth to that. Yet I can say with confidence that many of you still go to the grocery store, doctor's office, dentist's office, hair salon, gas station, gym, or restaurant. And most of the employees at these establishments have a name tag on their uniform or will share their first name with you if you ask them. Lee and I always ask the name of the person that's waiting on us. Picture going to a giant eagle or any grocery store and at the checkout clerk Mary is exceptionally kind or joyous that day. She, so you write a short note thanking her, and you send it to the giant eagle address, attention, Mary. The manager or supervisor receives the note and gives it to Mary. Sometime during the day, the manager or Mary's supervisor can't help but ask, what was that note all about? That's human nature. Mary is able to share that was a customer thanking her for her kindness and praying for her. That's a note that would bring a smile to anyone's face, including the manager. And then the next time you're back at Giant Eagle, and you see Mary, you can introduce yourself and tell her that she sent a note thanking her for her kindness and wondered if she received it. If she did, well, that opens up a conversation. If not, you mention what you said in the note. You've taken your relationship to a new level. You've seen her as God sees her. When the waiter or a waitress at a restaurant introduces themselves, let them know that you pray before the meal and wondered if they had a prayer request that you could share. Reverend Kelly Irish from Madison, Ohio, called me and said, Jeff, I've been hearing about this grace note thing. Not sure exactly how it works. I think I know. And I said, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about it. And I said, well, why don't we meet for breakfast? He goes, where? And I said, Bob Evans, about halfway. We go into Bob Evans. And we sit down. And the waitress comes over. And I said, uh, I'm Jeff Smead. This is Kelly Irish. Uh, what's your name? She said, Marsha. I said, Marsha, you know, we're going to pray before we... Uh, we eat today. Do you uh, have any special prayer requests? She goes, well, let me think about that. And then Kelly, somehow he caught on and he goes, something personal. So as she walked away, Kelly and I prayed for her a little, for a short period there. She came back and she said, you know, I had an operation on my leg. You can see I have a, a wrap on it and uh, on my knee. And I, it's not healing the way I'd like. Would you, would you pray for that? Said yes. When we get our meal, we'll add that to our prayer. Couldn't be. Four minutes later, she comes back. She said, "I'm 
I was just talking to one of my fellow waitresses, and her mother just died. Her, her name is, and I forget her name right now. She wondered if you'd pray for her. So it, obviously at the, the breakfast we prayed, and we prayed for those people. So I said to Kelly, I said, well, you want to write her a note or do I? He goes, you write it, Jeff. So I wrote a note to Marsha, and I wrote out the prayer that we pray, as well as the prayer for the other person. So Kelly called me, and he said, uh, about two weeks later, he said, Jeff, I, we're ready to go. We're, we're going to do this thing. He said, let's meet. He said, you want to meet at Bob Evans? I said, sure. So we happened to meet in the parking lot. We walk in, and I said, by chance, is Marsha here? And uh, they go, yeah, she's uh, in the other room. So she walks out, and she, I said, Marsha, you may not remember me. She ran over and hugged me. A glimpse of his glory. A glimpse of his glory. Other opportunities. If someone shares with you that they or someone in their family is sick or has any other issue, of course you ask if you can pray with them right then, but send them a note with a prayer fully written out. I was playing golf with someone for the first time, and uh, the gentleman said uh, he had cancer. And uh, so I asked the person who knew him well what his address was. I sent him a note. He wrote me back. Gosh, it must have been eight weeks later. And he said, no one has ever prayed for me before. And you were someone I didn't even know. You can share a grace note with someone that had a joyous event, a birth of a child, a grandchild, engagement, an anniversary. Another act of grace that I found moving, someone did it to me back when I was a banker. They made a donation, an offering, in honor of me. Wow. If you get really stuck, there's an app, and it's all in the box. There's an app that's called Bless Every Home. You pull it up, you put your address in, they'll tell you the names and addresses of all your neighbors, and you get to write them a note. Praying for them. Small acts of grace that yeah, they, they touch the people you're sending them to. But they change you totally. During, I've been meeting with a clergy group every uh, Tuesday at 1 o'clock on Zoom. There's five of us. Uh, our bishop asked us to consider doing that at the clergy retreat 
about a year ago. Our the East Five clergy, after I talked about Greystone, one of the life commitments we've each made now is we each write one every week for the rest of our lives. We're going to try to do that. I don't know about you, but every, almost everything I get at home is junk mail, bills, <laughs> catalogs. How would it feel to get a note of grace? Well, others would feel the same. And I've got to tell you the truth. It takes about five minutes a week to do this. Five minutes. But I promise you, you'll see others as the Lord sees them. We'll formally begin Grace Note Ministry the week of February 18th. But those who take a box today can get a jump on it. On the table in the social area, there are boxes of Grace Notes with a sign-up sheet that asks you only for your name and email. Please print as clearly as possible. This is done as husband separately. Both husband and wife each take a box if you're married. And you'll receive a reminder each week from me. And I'll ask you one time during the eight weeks to share a story of what happened by replying all. Shortly after the eight weeks, the parish will have an off-site pizza party. Pizza's on the diocese. We'll ask you all to invite someone who doesn't attend St. Anselm's regularly to come to the party. But if they don't, can't come, that's fine. Still come. All we want you to do is ask somebody. St. Matthew's up in Lapeer, Michigan, did, did it, and they're running a pizza party. They were so, it was so wonderful for them. They had 30% of the people that showed at their first pizza party. They weren't attending St. Anne, but St. Uh, Matthew's. They had one pizza party about two months later. They had more invitees than, than parishioners. Now, have they all started attending St. Matthew's? No, that takes a while. There's nothing threatening. It truly is just a pizza party. And those who don't have guests that are, can come, or you just meet and talk to the other people. How wonderful is that? You know, I'm planning to be at that pizza party if it's on a night I can come. And I promise you this, I'll invite somebody from the Lakewood area. I can do it. I don't know if they'll come or not, but I'll invite somebody from the Lakewood area to come. I want to share this with you. Around week three or four, you may hear a voice saying, I never should have signed up for this. Well, I can promise you that voice is from God. 
God wants you to transform more and more into his image. We're a new creation. A new creation. He is the vine. We are the branches. Let us abide in the vine. Let his DNA flow through us, in us and through us and out of us to see and give God's grace to see others with his eyes. This is not our final home. We'll pass over to the other side of eternity one day. We will see our Lord face to face. Amen? Let us stand.